Beloved, that is the, the power of the cross. The gospel message is that Christ became sin for us. He took the blame. He bore the wrath. He bore the wrath and the blame that we so justly deserved. He who was without sin became sin. He who was without blame took our blame. He who was not deserving of any wrath took the full fury of God's wrath upon himself. And I hope and pray that you have truly come to know that, believe that, and embrace him as your Savior and as your Lord. Because that is the only way that you will be spared the wrath of God is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Thank Brother David for that song. I'm going to ask you this morning to join me turning your Bible again to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I am again thankful for each and every one of you for being here with us this beautiful Easter Resurrection Sunday our Lord has given us as we are here to celebrate. Brother David just got through singing about the death of Christ, but also to celebrate, well, particularly this morning, the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a celebration because through his death and through his resurrection, all of us, all of us who have believed in him have an assurance. We have a promise from his words. The words that he shared with a woman by the name of Martha that are recorded for us over in the Gospel of John in John chapter 11 in verses 25 and 26 where he's speaking to this precious woman named Martha who has just lost her brother. Her brother Lazarus has just died. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he shares these words with her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus taught Martha, and he teaches us now that everyone who believes in him, though they die, they will be raised and live again. So the question then this morning I want us to consider And light of that truth is this. How is it that we will be raised from the dead? And with what kind of body will we have? These two questions, as we're going to see here in a moment, are asked and answered for us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 35. So look with me there in verse 35, and let me read the text for us this morning down to verse 49. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, But someone will say, How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool! That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. 
And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished. And to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ, for star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man Adam became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. As, as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear, bear the image of the heavenly. Beloved, as we come back to these questions there in verse 35, let me remind you again the context of this, this passage. It is coming as Paul has been instructing the church again at Corinth about the importance of the resurrection of the dead. Because as we read a moment ago when we did our scripture reading, that apparently even here in the church at Corinth, there were some teachers, or there, at the very least there were some people there saying that there is no resurrection of the dead for anyone, not even Jesus. And Paul has been explaining to them that the very gospel that he preached to them, that they said that they believed by which they were actually saved, included the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures on the third day. And he goes on there to describe how it is that Jesus didn't appear, made several different appearances. To over 500, he appeared to the apostles, he appeared to James, he appeared then to the apostle Paul, he appeared to Peter. As Paul is sharing with them, trying to show the significance of their doubt and their being a skeptic about the resurrection of Christ, he's saying, look, if Jesus, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus hasn't been raised. And if Jesus hasn't been raised, then your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Those who have actually already died that were believing in Jesus, there's no hope for them either. We're hopeless people that there is no resurrection of the dead. But he goes on to say, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ has been raised from the dead, he's the first fruits of those who are asleep. That is, others are going to be raised from the dead as well. So here's the next question that is coming up among the people there at Corinth, among some of them. They're saying, okay, Paul, if that is true, that the dead are raised, then tell us then, just how are they raised? What kind of body do they have? 
Now I want you to look back at our text for a moment. You'll pick up there in verse 36 that apparently this is the, the people asking this question, these questions are skeptics. That's why he refers to them there in verse 36 as the foolish ones. You fool. You senseless one. That is, you senseless ones that are, that are asking these questions in the way you're asking. That, that is, they weren't asking these questions out of a, a hope about it. They were asking it in a way of saying, look, if this is true, just how could this happen? Basically saying, Paul, there's no way someone can die, be buried, and then be raised from the dead. And, they, and if they could, just what kind of body would they have? I mean, are they going to come back with the exact same body that they had when they died and when they were buried? And how could that happen? I mean, how is it that somebody could be raised? I mean, you stop and you think about it. I mean, sometimes the way people die, their, their body's not even held all together. I mean, people die in war. People die at sea. People die in various ways. How in the world, these people are saying, are, are they going to be raised from the dead? Now maybe for some of us here today, you're not a skeptic. You believe in the resurrection of the dead. You believe wholeheartedly in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that on the third day, Jesus was raised. That when those ladies went to that tomb, when the disciples, eventually Peter and John, go to the tomb, they find that tomb empty, and that tomb was empty. Jesus' tomb was empty because he had been literally raised from the dead. But you still wonder, but how? How am I going to be raised from the dead? How does God do this? And what kind of body am I going to have? Well, let's answer those questions from this text. And first off, let's answer the question of just how are the dead raised? How are they raised? And let me just give you the, the simple, straightforward answer of what Paul, I believe, is just trying to get across to them. The big picture here. Paul, when we go back and we look at verses 36 through 41, his answer to that question is this. The dead are raised by God's power according to God's plan or God's process for God's pleasure according to God's prerogative and God's provision. He said this is how it can happen. By the power of God. That is how someone can be raised from the dead. By the power of God, according to the plan or the process that God has so designed. And it's going to be according to His pleasure, His prerogative, and how He provides that body. And when you stop and you think about it, beloved, all you really have to do, because this is a part of what Paul is saying here. When we go back and he's talking about the seed being buried and he, he's talking about the, the different parts of creation that we all have, there's different fleshes that are out there of men and beasts and, and the birds and the fish and between the heavenly bodies, that is the sun, the moon and the stars so the things that are here on the earth. Paul is saying, look, just go back to creation. How is it that this world 
was here and got here, that God is the one who created this world. How is it He created it? He created it by His power, according to His plan, by His pleasure, by His prerogative, and how He so chose to provide it. He did it all. And you can read, you go back and you read in the opening chapters of Genesis and you see when God created this world, this is the way He did it. And Paul is saying that's the way God's going to do it in regards to the, the pre preparation and all that's going to be involved in the new creation, the new world that God's going to create whereby we're going to have resurrected bodies. But let's look at this carefully for a moment. How is it that the dead are raised? One, as I said, they're, they're going to be raised by the power of God, by His power. Look again in verse 36, where he says, You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And here's what I want you to see here, where Paul is saying, how are they going to be raised? They're going to be raised by the power of God, is that when he writes there, that which you sow does not come to life. That coming to life there is in the passive voice. What he's saying is, God is the agent of this new life. That is how a person who dies and is buried is actually going to be raised from the dead. They're going to come to life. It's not going to be something they're going to do. It's going to be something outside of them, a power outside of them, and it's going to be the Spirit of God. It's going to be God Himself that is going to raise that person to the newness of life. As Paul wrote over Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, we said there we're waiting for the return of Christ because He's going to transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. That is how we will be raised from the dead by the power of God. By the power of God. But notice also, as you follow there again in verse 36, and into verse 37. Paul is saying that the dead are going to be raised not just by the power of God, but by the process that God has designed in the way he wants it. Because notice he says there, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps a wheat, or of something else. Saying, look, just when we think about it, he's just saying, go back to creation. Go back to nature, which is, didn't just happen. God created this, and he created the process by the which things happen. And he says, you take a seed, and you plant that seed in the ground, and that very seed decomposes. But then what happens? It comes up. With the same life, the same principle of life that is there, but it comes up, but it is, it is different when it comes up. Obviously, it's not still a seed. And he said, you're looking at that and you can say, okay, I don't fully understand all of that, but I can see that that is what hap that happens. And Paul is saying, look, so you can understand that when we die, we can be buried, that God can raise us to a newness of life by his plan, by his process, and how he so 
desires it. And that leads me to the third point. We're also, you say, how are we raised? We are raised for or according to His pleasure. His desire, His wishes. Go on down again. Look again back now in verse 38. But God gives it a body just as He wished. Just as He desires. Just as He pleases. You see, when we look at creation and we see how it came to be, it didn't just evolve. It didn't just happen. It got here because that's the way God wanted it to be here. It was according to His pleasure, His desire. And that's the way it will be in the resurrection with our resurrected bodies. They will come to to life to be what He pleases them to be. He is the one who will give us our bodies as He wishes, as He desires, as according to His pleasure. And notice, if that's the way it is, then obviously it then must be according to His prerogative. Notice in verse 38, the last part. Into each of the seeds a body of its own. God gives it a body just as He wishes. And to each of the seeds, he, He's using the illustration of the seeds, a, a body of its own. It's how God chose to do it. And this is the way it will happen in the resurrection. It will happen the way God chooses to do it. God chose that we would come here first in the earthy. And then we would have the spiritual. God chose that. That was His prerogative to work that out in His plan, in His process, according to His pleasure, His prerogative. But also, it would be according to His provision as He so will provide. And this is what part of what Paul is trying to get across there in, in verse 39 and 40 and, and 41 where he says there's all flesh, but it's not the same flesh. There's one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. There's the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly one. And there, there's one glory of the sun, another the glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It will be according to his provision. According to his provision. Now what Paul also begins to do there, really in verse 38 down to verse 41, he begins not only to explain to us how it is that God does this, but he's also beginning to explain what kind of body it will be. That is, and maybe another way to ask it is, he begins to explain, well then how are they going to be different? How exactly are they going to be different? Or what kind of body will it be? And what he's telling us there, in verse 38, is that there will be a uniqueness for each person. And not only that, When he says there, to each of the seeds a body of its own, 
But then when you read there again in verses 39 to 41, what he's trying to also help us to see there is that there's going to be a continuity There's going to be a continuity between all the people that are resurrected from the dead, but there's going to be a distinction among among them personally. And not only that, there's going to be a continuity between their body, the body we have right now that's going to die one day, is going to be a continuity. It's going to be the body in some sense that's going to be raised from the dead, but it's going to be different. We're not going to be raised to be and have the body that we have now. There are going to be differences, but even amongst the resurrection bodies, there's going to be differences. There's going to be, in a sense, some kind of variety that is there. And that's part of what Paul is he's making there in these verses in 39 to 41. Just listen to this. So I was thinking about this and reading in, in uh, the MacArthur commentary here in 1 Corinthians. Listen to what he says. He says, every star is different. Just as every plant is different, every animal is different, every human being is different. God has infinite creative capacity, including the capacity to make infinite variety. Resurrection bodies will differ from earthly bodies just as radically as heavenly bodies differ from the earthly. And resurrection bodies will be as individual and unique as are all the other forms of God's creation. You see, beloved, every star is not the same. They're not. And so he's saying it shouldn't be hard for us to see that God can create these resurrected bodies and bring this about and have these vast differences that are there. So let's get more specific. What kind of, what kind of body will it be? Well, look beginning in verse 42. He begins to really highlight the differences between the bodies we have right now and the bodies we will have when we are raised from the dead. First, he said, it is sown, that is the body you have right now is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. What he means by that is, is beloved, the bodies that we have, that we come here with, are dying. They're deteriorating. They're perishable. As the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 20, we will return to dust. We go back to the the book of Genesis and we find we were made from the dust. And to dust now we will return. We come here perishable. But when we're raised, we will be raised imperishable. That is, the body that we will receive will be different than the body we have now because it will no longer be subject to death. It will no longer be subject to being uh, something that can deteriorate. That's why we go over to the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4 there where it tells us that God's going to be wiping away every tear and no longer will there be any more death. And in Revelation 20 and verse 14 it says there death and Hades will actually be thrown into the eternal lake of fire. So clearly there's going to be a difference. We come here perishable, 
but we will be raised imperishable. But notice again, go back to our text. In verse 43, he says, in regards to our body now that we have, it is sown in dishonor. That it is fallen. It is sinful. As the Bible tells us over in Psalms 51, we are actually conceived in sin. Life starts with us at conception and life begins with us as sinners. We're sinners from the moment. I mean, we're sown in dishonor. We're sown as perishable. But when we are raised, we'll be raised in glory. That is, we will have a body that will be permanent and perfectly glorified. It will not be subject to sin. It will not be fallen. It will not be sinful. You see, we will have more than just being redeemed in the sense of our soul. It's not just that our soul is going to be perfectly redeemed. Our bodies are going to be perfectly redeemed. You see, that's why what we have right now, if you are a saved person, and you have truly believed in Christ, thus you have been born again. You really are now, in some sense, back to where we started, that is, where Adam started. When God created Adam, Adam had an ability to sin, and he had an ability not to sin. But as unsaved individuals, really, all we really have is the ability to sin. We're dead in sins. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. But when we get saved and God births us into his family, we now still have the ability to sin and we do sin, but now we have the ability not to sin. But when we're glorified and we're raised from the dead, we will no longer have the ability to sin. We will just worship him perfectly, serve him perfectly, Perfectly, We will be raised in glory. That's the kind of body that we will have. Notice again, go back to God's word here in 1 Corinthians 15. He says there at the end of verse 43, it is sown, our body now is sown in weakness. Our resurrection body will be raised in power. These are just kind of building on top of one another. Sown in weakness. That is, our, our bodies, again, we're, we're subject to sin. We're subject to diseases. We're, we're in need of rest. We struggle to keep the stamina. We struggle to keep the stamina to do what is right. You recall what Jesus said to his disciples when he was getting ready to go off to the garden to pray. And he had some of his disciples with them and he said, you stay here while I go off to pray. And what happened? He comes back and they're asleep. And he says, the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. But see, that, that's why it says uh, over in, uh, in, in Romans, just listen to this, over in Romans chapter 6, 
In verse 19, he says, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Our flesh is weak. This body that we come with, it is, it is, there is a weakness there. That's why we even need rest. We have to have rest. I mean, I'm not so sure when we get to heaven and when there's a new heaven and a new creation that there's going to be the need for rest. Doesn't seem like there's going to be any nighttime. It's going to be daytime and light all the time because the Lord God's going to be in His glory illuminating everything. And it even says there in Revelation in the closing chapters, there's going to be no night. But that won't be a problem. Why? Because we're going to be raised in power. New bodies that will not be subject to sin. That will be perfect. Thus, what we're saying is, is that not only will our spirit be willing perfectly, but our flesh will be willing perfectly. You think about what does the Bible teach us in Galatians? The Bible teaches us in Galatians that the spirit is there in our life as believers, but we still have our flesh. And what is happening? The flesh and the spirit are waging war. Because our flesh doesn't want to submit But oh, beloved, when we're raised in the power that he's speaking about here, we will be fully redeemed and able and willing and wanting to perfectly serve our Savior. Go back again. He says there would be the difference here between what is sown and what is raised. He says in verse 44, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. He he doesn't mean we're going to get something totally disassociated with the body that we have now. He's just saying the body that we have now is a natural body. That is, it is suited for this world. It's suited for living in this world. But when we are raised from the dead to live with God in the kingdom of God in the new heavens and the new earth. He's going to give us a spiritual body that is suited for that heavenly life. The way Paul describes it over in 2 Corinthians. Let's listen to this for a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 1, he says, For we know that the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as having put it on, we will not be found naked. For indeed while we are in this tent, that is in this body, we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. That is what we want. That is what we're longing for. That is what we're looking for. And that is the kind of body that we will have. Then when you look here in verse 45 to 49, he really just summarizes it here in how and what this will be. And we'll go into all the details of that, but just to say what, what he's trying to teach there is this. Is that just as that body that Adam had is the prototype for the body that we have now and the life that we have now, that the body we will receive 
when we're raised from the dead, we can look at Jesus Christ as the prototype for our resurrected bodies. Because when we are raised from the dead, it will be a spiritually, it will be a spiritual, heavenly body that bears the image of our Savior. It bears the image of our Savior. So in some sense, we can look at the resurrection of Christ. And we can look at the resurrection body of Christ and learn some things even there about what kind of body we will have. This is his point. He's saying, look, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit, whereas the first man, Adam, became a living soul. And again, we see the order. The spiritual's not first. It's the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is earth, earthy. The second one is heavenly. So we're going to be like Christ, as it says there in 1 John 3. We don't know right now exactly how and what we're going to be like, but we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. We're going to be like Christ. We're not going to be God. We never become God. Okay, we're never going to become divine, but there will be a supernatural aspect to our life in that we're going to have a spiritual, heavenly body. Not, a, not something divine in that sense. God is God and only God and no one else will ever be God or become God. But we will be like Him in that we will bear the image of Christ and live for Him and honor Him and serve Him. Beloved, this is how God will raise the dead. This is how God will raise the dead who are in Christ. Who are in Christ. Now please understand as I, as I close this morning. Remember when we read earlier this morning. He's primarily talking here about those who are asleep in Christ. Those who have died in Christ. They're going to be raised in glory. They're going to be raised in power. They're going to be raised in honor. That's how they're going to be raised. Now those who are not in Christ... Those who die without truly putting their faith in Jesus Christ will not be raised in honor and glory and power. You say, will they be raised? Yes. Everyone will be raised from the dead. Everyone will be raised from the dead. But those that are raised from the dead will be raised in such a way that they can now live eternally in the eternal lake of fire. Because that's where they're going to go. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there is a great, great white throne judgment. 
and that though, and that there's going to be this resurrection, and these people are going to be sitting there before the great white throne, and there's going to be a judgment, and God's going to open up the books, and He's going to look at those books for them, and not only that, more importantly, He's going to open up the book of life, and if your name's not in the book of life, He's going to look at that, and the name's not in the book of life. That person will be thrown, he says, into the eternal lake of fire after they've been raised from the dead. So, beloved, the question, first and foremost, you have to ask yourself this morning is Am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? Do I know Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord? That's where it must start. But if you know Christ, then, beloved, you have the assurance. You have the assurance that one day you will be raised. And you know how it will be done. And you know something about the kind of body that you will have, the life that you will have. And that will be something we're longing for, we're looking for, affecting how we live our life here and now. Not perfectly, but it should be driving us in the things that we want to do and how we want to live. As I said last week, it really should drive us to be willing to sell out. Sell out because you know what? I sell out for Christ. It cost me my life here. I die. I know one day I'm going to be raised from the dead. And I'm going to spend eternity with my Lord. You can't take that away from me. And no one can take it away from you. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.